If you have your Bibles, you can turn your Bibles with us to St. John chapter 4. As most of you know, we have been studying, looking at the 13 epistles of the Apostle Paul. And we are studying them chronologically in the order that they were written in. You have, uh, as you've already looked at the first and second Thessalonians, Galatians. And now we're in the book of First Corinthians. We talked earlier about the city of Corinth. And how ungodly the people were that lived there. And yet, birth out of that atmosphere and culture was a church that was was very powerful. And the Apostle Paul writing to them from the city of, of Ephesus just really, really says words and, and, and gives principles that you and I today can certainly live by and abide by. And I'm not going chapter by chapter. I'm just reading these books and, and allowing trust. I'm allowing the Lord to speak to my heart and to, to deal with me concerning what do we need to hear as a church. Our culture Our society today, America, needs to hear from God. Not some preacher standing behind the pulpit. But we need to hear from God. And one of the things that Paul does right into the church at Corinth, he deals with what we call spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts. And it was important, especially to write to this church in their public worship concerning these spiritual gifts. Now, you can find this in the 12th chapter and especially the 14th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And, of course, we all, as most of us know, The 13th chapter deals with uh, the great subject of love and what love is and how it reacts and and how it's displayed. God's agape love. But chapter 12 and chapter 14 and other places, he deals with the gifts, what we call the gifts of the Spirit. Now, what I'd like to do is for us to And by the way, if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand and Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Everyone to have an outline. And if you would like to get it on your phone, boy, I can't keep up with these guys around here with their apps and everything. But Brother Michael works very hard to get this on uh, the phone. So if you know how to do that, which I don't, I still have a flip phone. And they all make fun of my flip phone, but that's okay. I can, I can call and I can receive calls. But this outline is also 
on an app if you go to. Tell us, Michael. Wow. So you can look at it today, and some of you take this and you file it away, and, and then others you can just go, as I said, go on uh, there. Uh, what I'd like to do, and, and I'll, I'll have some series or a series on this, is to look at the importance of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. Today we need a message, but not only do we need the Word of God to go forth, but it needs to be anointed. It's one thing to read the Bible. It's one thing to know God's Word. It's something else for you and I to be able to have the Spirit of God to reveal that Word to us. As we read it in the Bible, it's Logos. But as we uh, have the word of God spoken to us through the spirit, it's agape. I'm sorry. Thank you, Sister Carrie. I, I, I know. Just one time. Just, just remind me one time. <laughs> Boy, I don't know if I want to go home this, after the service or not. No, it's rhema. Thank you. Thank you so much. It is rhema. And... Uh, you, 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 you get to know the Word of God like you don't know it unless the Holy Spirit speaks it to your heart. It's important. So we need, we need to understand that there is available to us what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's read some, if you will. John chapter 4, verses uh, 13 through 14, it says, Jesus answered and said unto her. Now this is where Jesus met the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. And here's what he says. Whoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a what? A well. A well, and other translations may read something else, but it's a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And then we find also in John 7, 37, uh, three of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. Look at it. It's John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the day, on the last day, rather, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying... If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, the King James says there, out of his belly will flow what? Rivers of living water. Now he doesn't leave us in the dark about what he's talking about. In fact, verse 39, he explains it. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Notice your outline. First of all, there is the born again experience. We call it being born again. Or might even some may say you need to be 
saved. The born again experience where there is a spiritual rebirth. We are restored back to a right, and I love this word, relationship with God. What makes Christianity different from all other religions is that you can have a relationship with the God you serve, Jehovah. So there is the new birth. What happens, God joins himself to the believer's spirit. The believer experiences joy and peace. And 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things, all things have become new. I'm talking about the new birth. I'm talking about being born again. I'm talking about an experience with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about a relationship with God. And every, every person can have that relationship with the Lord. Roman numeral number two. Often there is a cooling off period when a man, when a woman, when a person comes, accepts Christ as their, as their Savior. I remember this. How many of you remember when you received Christ as your Savior? You remember? Let me see again. Wow. Wow. When that happens... Now you say, again, do you feel anything? I did. At nine years old, I sensed a, just a great peace and joy. And, and just uh, one brother down in Sampson County used to say, it's like a tub of honey turned over in your soul. But something wonderful happens when you meet Jesus Christ and you're born again. But if we're not careful, after a while, there's that cooling off period. And we don't sense what we did. Uh, we feel as if we're dead. Uh, maybe the believer says life isn't that different anymore. Why? Why is that period of time after the initial receiving of Jesus Christ, why does this happen to us? Listen, first we need to understand that man is a threefold being. Now, don't lose me here. I know this is a, it, it can get complicated, but I want you to stay with me. Man is a threefold being. Notice in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And then he explains how complete he's going to sanctify you. And may your whole what? Spirit. What? soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So every one of us, every one of us are threefold beings. We have spirit, we have soul, and we have body. Now, notice when Adam sinned, well, let's notice what Jesus said to him in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall what? Surely 
die. Now, did Adam and Eve die physically? No. They lived on. What died? If God said they were going to die, what died? Their spirit died. The spirit is that innermost part of man. The spirit is the part of man that can know God. That's where you know God is in the spirit. God created us that way. So when Adam sinned, that spirit died. Now his soul and his body, of course, was active and lived on. Notice number three. When man sinned, he died spiritually. Since then, and this is very important that you understand this. Since then, man has operated from soul and body being controlled by his will, being controlled by his emotions, and being controlled by his desires. Would you say amen to that? I mean, that's how man's controlled today. And that's wherein comes lust. That's wherein comes anger. That's wherein comes all the things that you see happening in this world today. And you wonder why is, why is, why why are things like they are? Why is there so much pornography? Why is there so much evil in the world? It's because man today is being controlled by his soul and his body. And whatever that body wants, he gets it if he possibly can. He goes after it. And that's the problem with our society today is that people, people are living out of their emotions, out of their, their, their wills, out of the lust and their desires. What we desire, we, we desire things we shouldn't desire. And when people do that, they're just being human. Because that spirit that was in them died. So what happens, as I said, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born, what? Again. So what happens when a person is born again, their spirit that died when Adam sinned comes alive. And Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, comes on the inside and that spirit is alive. And so Jesus sits on the throne of our lives. Amen? And we're not controlled by the soul. We're not controlled by the body, hopefully. We're controlled by, by Jesus Christ in our hearts and in our lives. And we become a new creation. We are a new creation because of our accepting Jesus. Because that he is alive and his spirit is alive. And his spirit comes in, wakes up our spirit, and he sits on the throne of our life. So now, rather than being controlled by all the things that are carnal, we're controlled by the spiritual aspect and we're back where we, where God intended us to be when he created Adam and Eve. Isn't that a wow? I love that. I love that, that you and I are able to do that. 
But unless something happens, someone says, okay, I'm saved. That's it. I'm going to go right on into heaven. You're going to, you're going to struggle. Somebody says, well, if you become a Christian, all that leaves. Oh, no, it doesn't. In fact, you may struggle more. And the devil may bombard you because he don't want you serving God. He does not want you living for the Lord. And so he comes in and day after day after day. And if we don't do something, then we go right back where we were. And we start being dictated by the soul and the body again. Well, I believe, and I believe if you study God's word and rightly divide the word of God, I believe what needs to happen is the spirit of the Lord needs to flow out of our lives. I read unto your hearing where Jesus told the woman at the well, if you drink the water that I give you, it will be a well. So that's what happens when you're born again. It's a well. You're refreshed. Hallelujah. Something wonderful has happened in your life and and that well is there. But then I read into your hearing where Jesus said, speaking of receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that well becoming a what? River. So you go from a well, get ready, to a river. Now how long has it been since that river's flowed through you? Yeah, because if you don't watch out, it becomes stagnant and, and tadpoles gather around the edge. And, you know, you get, you, you, you just get to be an old sour Christian. You're blah. You're dead. I mean, you go through the motions, you go to church and you sing and you do all those things, but you just do it because it's a habit. And you just do it. But there needs to be Freshness. There needs to be reality in serving God. There needs to be something that happens. And that is the, the, the spirit of the Lord. I, w- I want you to notice what John says in John chapter 1 verses 29 and, uh, and 33. Notice something. Notice something. Now, understand that John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus Christ. And before Jesus, quote, came on the scene, John was out there preaching repentance. He was out baptizing people. And then one day this figure came over the horizon and notice John here in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's salvation. That's what happens when we accept Jesus Christ. That's salvation. But in the same breath, go to verse 33, John says, I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who does what? Baptizes with the Holy Spirit. So John, in in one breath, talks about being born again through and by the Spirit of the Lord and you becoming a well. And in the next breath, he talks about you being baptized with the Holy Spirit, becoming a river. 
And I believe the church today needs that river. We're dealing with all kinds of sin, all kinds of disobedience, all kinds of immorality, all kinds of demonic forces. And you and I need something in order for us to be victorious ourselves and to help other people be victorious. Wow. And we have it. We just need to tap into it. We just, we simply just needs, need to see that. That's something, look at verse 5 under Roman numeral number 2. That something is the baptism with the Holy Spirit, which allows the Holy Spirit to flow out of man's spirit, filling the soul and the body. Did you connect the dots? Is the puzzle coming together? Adam sinned. His spirit died. His soul and his body controlled him. Every man, every woman from Adam has been controlled by their soul and their body. But all of a sudden, Jesus Christ comes along, tells Nicodemus, you got to be born again. And then man, which is led by soul, led by body, comes to Jesus Christ. His spirit comes on the inside, makes your spirit alive. And that life is controlled by the spirit. But if we're not careful, there's a dwindling away. There's a dwindling away. But all of a sudden, something happens. And this was on the day of Pentecost. Say Pentecost. It's a great word. It's biblical. It's not just some denomination. Some man or men and women get together and say, let's let's have a Pentecostal uh, 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 denomination. This is a God thing. And it says here in, in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, I like that, fully come. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound, sound, from heaven, As of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then then there appeared rather to them divided tongues as of fire. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with, with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Now brother Don... That was, and I can hear people say to me, that was the initial giving or the coming of the, of the Holy Spirit. That was the birth of the church and that was the initial coming of the Holy Spirit. And that's the only place that it happened. Not so. Don't you listen to people that says that this stopped with the early church. Because time and time again, five times. In the book of Acts, in fact, let's look at them. Look at them. First of all, there's Pentecost, chapter 2 and verse 4. Second of all, Peter and John go down to Samaria. They introduce this experience, which is subsequent to salvation. Let me say that again. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is no way 
that an individual can rightly divide the book of Acts, look at the book of Acts, and know that some of these people were saved, they were born again, and then later on they received this great experience of the river that flowed out of them. We're to have people shouting by now. I just, I, I just, this is great to me. I just love the fact that God has equipped the church with power today. So first of all, you had Pentecost. Second of all, you had Samaria. Thirdly, you have, you remember Paul? His name was Saul and he persecuted the church and he was on his way to Damascus and God knocked him off of his horse and he got saved right then and there. And he said, Lord, I'm just okay. What you want me to do? He goes into the city of Damascus and he was blind. He could not see. And there was a man by the name of Ananias. And God spoke to Ananias, this man. And he said, I want you to go over to Straight Street. And I want you to pray for a man by the name of Saul. I can't do that, Lord. He's persecuting the church. He'll kill me. God says, you go, Ananias. Ananias goes over and prays for Saul, which later became Paul. And the anointing and power of God came upon him and filled him. Hallelujah. Yeah, but Brother Don, he, he don't say he spoke in tongues. Later on, he wrote to the church. He said, I speak in tongues more than you all. So you can't use that. That's out. Okay, I want to knock all these old crutches out from under us that we lean on and think that this can't happen today because it's real today. Not only Pentecost, not only Peter and John in Samaria, not only Ananias praying for the Apostle Paul, but Peter goes down and preaches to those old Gentiles. You know, they're not supposed to be with the in crowd. They, God loved them, God loves us, and God Fill them with the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says they spoke with tongues. And it was amazing how that they, and this this is happening later, later, later. So don't tell me it stopped with Pentecost. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There you have Peter praying and the Gentiles. And then in, in Acts chapter 19, we find, this is one of my favorite ones. Paul at Ephesus. He was down at and down at the house. He said, "Have you received the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, since you believed?" So this was a, a an experience, and they received, and they spoke in tongues. So I am saying to us today, as a church, not only Bethel, but as a church as a whole, the church needs the power of God. And the only way to have the power of God is have the anointing through and by the Holy Ghost. I know that that just scares some people. Let's say Holy Spirit. Don't say Holy Ghost. Well, the Bible uses both of them, and they're both exactly the same. But we need that baptism. Look at number three. Salvation and baptism are two different experiences. And I just gave you the example of the well and the river. The well is an experience of salvation. And the river represents the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is a gift of God. 
Acts chapter 2, verse 38 and 39. Then Peter, look at me. Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to almost all. Did I misread it? Did I do it? Let me skip it. Let me go back. So it's to you and to your children and for just the Pentecostals? No. That word there is all. Not just the preacher, the deacons, or the elders, or some church leader, or some particular denomination. Anyone that will open themselves up to the receiving of the Spirit and the power of God. He will fill you to all who are afar off and as many as the Lord our God will call. It's for all believers. It's received. You say, how do I get this, Pastor? I'm glad you ask. It works. Notice what it says in Luke chapter 11, verse 11 through verse 13. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No. Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you, then he explains what he's talking about here. He's just not talking. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who, what? Ask. How do I receive it? Ask. Ask. God don't play games, folks. What he says, he means. He will do it. All we need to do is come to him open with faith in our hearts and believe. We receive by asking. Acts 5.32 that I read. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. So it's the person or the persons that ask and the person and the persons that obey. So it's for everyone. We must receive, Acts 8, 17. Then they laid hands on them and they what? Received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. I can give you a gift today. I can have, a, I, I can have keys to a Mercedes and I can, I can hold it up here. And I can say, you can have these keys. But if you don't take those keys, if you don't receive those keys... That car is not going to be yours. And God is saying, I've got it available. I have the power available. Everything you need is available. Receive it. Reach out by faith. Reach out and receive that, certainly, that God has for us. And then we must yield our tongues to him. Don't get, don't get hung up on the tongues. Folks, listen. That's not what we're seeking. We're not seeking tongues. We're seeking the power and the anointing and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then we must act in faith as we receive. 
Now let me close, and I am closing with this, with, with number four. With the overflowing power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, life is different. Now, does that mean that you won't get discouraged? Does that mean you won't struggle sometimes? That, that, does that mean you're going to be victorious in everything that you do and the devil's going to come? And, no. But I am here to tell you that God Almighty will touch your life and baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And you will have power to overcome the devil. You will have power to be victorious. And God will give you a comfort and a peace. Notice, we take this from Jack Haverd. Notice, first of all, you have new power to serve and to witness. Acts 1 and 8 says, and you shall be witnesses. We need men and women that will be witnesses in this culture with the power of God. When we walk out our doors, whether it's at the house or the church or wherever it is, and go beyond the four walls of our homes and our churches and go out there, we should witness with the power of God. I went to Bojangles when I used to go Bojangles. I have to be real careful going to Bojangles. Because that's, boy, I'll tell you what, those biscuits and... Ah, I don't know. There may be a Bojangles in heaven. I, I don't know. God will let me. God let me have a. But I went to Bojangles and I just felt to witness to a couple that was there. And uh, I began to talk to them. I do this all the time, and I love doing it. My wife and I. She gets she gets upset with me. My granddaughter. They get upset because I talk to everybody. Where do we go last Friday? What restaurant do we eat at? No. In Apex. Oh, Carabas. Now, that's a place right there. Now, I shouldn't talk about Bojangles and Carabas because I've done lost half of you. You're ready to go eat. We went to hear Carmen in Apex. You remember Carmen? He's gone through cancer. He's gone, he just had a heart attack a, a week ago, seven days ago. And he's up here singing in Apex. Powerful. Powerful. But we, we were in Carabas, and, and uh, this couple was there from Florida, and I began to talk with him. And he's coming all the way from Florida to go to Wake Forest to be trained in the ministry. And we just love talking to them. They, uh, his wife is she got her job at Rex, and uh, and now here he is training to be. Uh, he served in the army for six years, and uh, but anyway, we were talking with them, and but this couple and I just enjoyed talking to them and and, and loved talking. But this couple in Bojangles, I felt to talk to them, and we began to talk to them, and. They had served God, but they had drifted away from the Lord. And there in Bojangles, we had prayer at Bojangles. And uh, they, they rededicated their life back to the Lord. I remember her name. Her name was Future. I can't remember because it's such an unusual name. I can't remember his name. 
Brian, thank you. Brian and future Ellis. Brian and future. They lived down east, way down east toward the coast. But they were there, and we got a chance to witness to them. And they were living here at that time. And the next Sunday, they hit this altar, and we were able to baptize them in water later on. And three years later, after they moved, moved from Durham down east, he sent me a letter. He said, Pastor, I want you to know something. God's called me to the ministry, and I'm going to seminar now. Seminary now. And listen, we, we need to witness to people. Whether it's in Bojangles or wherever it is. And I'm not talking about being a nuisance. I'm talking about being sensitive to the Lord and let the Holy Spirit move through us. It says we shall be a witness. And it says there's a new pursuit for growth. There's something about having the power and the anointing of God in your life. And you opening that Bible and reading it. And let it speak to your heart rather than just be in words. Not only a new power, not only a new pursuit, but a new potency in prayer. Listen, it's, it's important that we have that anointing. And the doctor looked at me and said, you've got cancer. You, you, you never heard anything like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing what it does to you. And through all the tests and the surgery that I had, They'd roll me down the corridor of the hospital. I didn't do it so anyone else would hear me, but I spoke in tongues. And it was a comfort. There's something about that closeness to God. Now when I go get my PSA checked, that's important. Brother Wallace, you and I, we have to go get checked, don't we? I speak in tongues. Do I have to? No. But I'll tell you what, it means something for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to bless you and to comfort you and to put his arms around you. And he'll do that. Whatever you're facing today, you say, preacher, can you have that kind of relationship? Everyone that will desire it, everyone that will receive it, everyone that will obey God can have that kind of experience with God. Not only a new potency in prayer, the Bible says pray in the Spirit. We don't even know what to pray for, but He helps us in our praying. And number four, a new passion for worship. We look around at these people praising the Lord as Brother Matt leads us and we say, what's going on with these people? Let me tell you what's going on with these people. There's a, there's a, there is a new passion that comes with the moving of the Holy Spirit that moves in worship. And you're just reaching out to the Lord and he's reaching back to you. I believe Miss Christie found it today. She, she was up here just enjoying the blessings of the Lord. And any of us can do that. Any of us can do that. The Holy Spirit's in this place. Play for me, Sister Judy. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Could you say this morning that the Holy Spirit is welcome in your heart? Brother Larry started the service off with saying this. If you're here and you don't know Christ, you can receive Christ. What I've talked about is that next step. But let me tell you, there's the first step. There's that well. There's that knowing Christ. Someone says, I've been in church all my life. Do you know Christ? Have you been born again? Have you ever ever said, Lord, I'm sorry of my sins. Forgive me today. And accept him into your heart and let that spirit, his spirit, come into your spirit and make that spirit alive.
in you today.